The national elections are just two months away. Do you know the issues and what are the do's and don'ts for church officials? The seminaries have reopened. Any prospects from our area? And is your home a place of worship on Sunday? These topics and more are coming up next. Welcome to A View from the Top with Bishop Gregory Parks, Bishop of the Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is a candid and hopeful conversation on current events that affect our church, our community, and our country. Now, here's Bishop Parks and the General Manager of Spirit FM, John Morris. Good afternoon, Bishop. Always good to see you. It's great to be with you, John, and a uh, belated happy birthday to you. Oh, well, thank you. Yep, September 1st was the big day, so we are still accepting gifts. You can make them just to Spirit FM on my behalf. Thank you well, very much. Well, I hope you had a great day and a good celebration. We did. Thank you for remembering that. Last time we recorded, we celebrated that the schools were returning, that we were having ordinations of priests. We've got good news. The seminary has started back up as well with a whole new crop, new gentlemen. Sure. So that's good news, John. Uh, first of all, our schools are now in their second full week back to in-classroom learning. And I'm happy to say that so far, things are going very well. Haven't had any major concerns or COVID outbreaks in any of our schools. We, of course, have very strict protocols in place to prevent that, but um, we're off to a good start. So we hope and pray that that will continue. As you mentioned, also, our seminarians are, are back to school as well, or back to formation, we might say. This is their first full week of classes back at our seminaries in Miami. That would be St. John Vianney Seminary for our college students, and then uh, St. Vincent de Paul Seminary in Boynton Beach for those who are in theology. And so they've started this week. They began the week invoking the um, blessing of the Holy Spirit and guidance upon the Holy Spirit uh, with a special mass of the Holy Spirit to mark the beginning of the academic year for them. One thing that is uh, also good news, in fact, great news, is that our diocese accepted seven new seminarians into formation. This is a, a good thing. We had a number that discerned out of formation last year, and of course, three of our deacons were ordained priests, which is, is great. But we did accept seven new seminarians into formation, and we want to keep them in our prayers as well. Sure. It's certainly a time for discernment and growth for them. You know, we pray that they all make it through, but it's it's an opportunity for them to really discern what God truly has them on pace for the rest of their lives. No, it's very true. And it's just beautiful, you know, to to see how God is working in the lives of of young men and women who are are called to priesthood or religious life today from all different walks of life. Some of the, the new seminarians are men that have, they're just starting college. So they're you know, maybe in their late teens or very early 20s. And others have had some work experience. So like myself, they started out in a career, but during their time of work, discerned that God was calling them to follow a different path. So he, he calls us at all different times. And uh, praise be to God that, that men are still saying yes to, to the Lord's call. It's also a reflection. I don't know all of my Bible history, but I know that John was just a young man when he joined the Twelve. And you had those that were much older, that uh, like St. Peter, that helped lead the way as well. So, as you say, all ages and all walks. That's very true. In fact, when you see paintings uh, of the Last Supper or when the apostles, the disciples are gathered, John is depicted as like usually the youngest one, <laughs> at least in physical appearance, among the, the Twelve. But then there were others that were older. And, of course, we know he called them from all different walks of life, fishermen and, and other occupations. So tax collectors. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure. Now, last time we talked, said that while everyone is invited back to churches, our numbers aren't where 
we would like to see them be. And everybody is, uh, you can still uh, mask up and come, but a lot of people are still choosing to stay home and maybe watch the live stream or a television broadcast. But you're still kind of missing something. How if I if I'm at home, how can I make that holy day much more holy? Sure. So I spoke, I think, in our last podcast about the dispensation that was granted from the obligation to attend Sunday Mass, but we are still called to keep the Lord's Day holy. We're not dispensed from that. So even if we don't feel comfortable yet coming back for public gathering for Mass, we should be somehow connecting with the Mass, with the Eucharist, by means of video or technology, by means of live stream, either your own parish or there's other masses that are broadcast each Sunday from different locations, whether they be in our own diocese or around the country. And I believe we still have uh, access to those on our website at the diocese. You can find out who is offering live stream masses. But to your question, how do we still keep holy the Lord's Day Sunday, even though we're not going to mass physically yet? I would say, first of all, like every Sunday or holy day, it should be a different day. It shouldn't just be a day when we do normal things. It should have a different character to it. We should set some time aside from our busy schedules to just give to the Lord and to focus on Him. Again, participating in Mass from home by means of live stream or recorded video would be a good way to do that. Maybe say a a rosary together, either as an individual or, or as a family, maybe a couple with your children. That would be a beautiful thing to do. Maybe have a, your own holy hour in, in your home. If you have a, a prayer space or kind of a little space where you keep statues or holy cards or the Bible, you know, maybe spend, doesn't even have to be an hour, but spend some time there just in quiet prayer to God. And of course, we should always try to avoid, and if we can, any type of manual labor, labor or physical work on Sunday, again, because it has a special character. It's a day that's supposed to be given to the Lord. And keep in mind, some of our parishes are open for a quiet prayer time, as we talked about in our last podcast, to just sit and meditate and listen to what the Lord has to say. So if you're thinking about that, always a good idea to call the parish office to make sure the church or the chapel are open and available for you to come in for a personal prayer. And as you said, even during the pandemic, when we were not having public gathering for Mass, I asked each of our parishes to at least have the church open for some periods of, of time during the week for people to come in for personal prayer and reflection, to be in that sacred space, to be in the house of God, and to just spend some time with him in a, in, in a manner which is holy, but which is also safe. Bishop, we're about 60 days out from our national elections, and uh, things have been as contentious as I can ever remember. And there are things that the church can and can't do. Some people, including myself, will, will kind of look to the church and, and say, I know it's supposed to be about issues, but I'm stuck on who I want to vote for. The church has some resources that are available. So how does a Catholic discern how to go about who they want to put that little bubble in that mark when they go to the poll? Boy, this is something we could talk about for a long time. It might be. We might and, uh, revisit this We later. May, may have to do this over multiple podcasts, <laughs> right. but, uh, but it is something that's very relevant today as we, I think, are just about two months out from the election at this point. 
yeah, I mean, as a church and as individuals, we're called to engage in the political process. Individuals can be partisan and can engage in partisan politics, uh, but the church is not able to do that because of our status, uh, because we're a, a 501c3 nonprofit, given the separation of church and state and IRS regulations for a tax-exempt organization. Uh, there are things that we can and, and can't do as a church. But as individuals, I think the most important thing that we can do is to be uh, informed about the issues that are important to us as Catholics in accord with our teachings. So we do provide uh, resources that are produced and approved by the church to individuals for them to study and to become more engaged in the issues so that when they go to the voting booth or fill out their ballot at home, that they can do so in an informed manner. So through our Florida Catholic Conference, uh, the Catholic Conference of Bishops, we do provide resources online, their website, where you can, again, study what we are called to do, what we're able to do, and what is our responsibility as citizens, but also as Catholics. And then at the national level, through the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, we also have documents and resources uh, regarding the election an opportunity to just uh, to learn more uh, about our engagement in the political process. So question uh, begs, if I'm reading locally here, the Tampa Bay Times, as we get deeper into the election, usually about a month out, a local newspaper will endorse a candidate or endorse an issue. Can a Catholic diocesan-owned newspaper do the same thing, or are they still bound by that same rule of uh, just issues only? Yeah, so we we would be bound by the same rules of of speaking only about the issues, and and obviously those that are important to us as as Catholics. So a secular newspaper, as you said, their editorial board or will get together and decide on who they want to endorse. Doesn't mean you have to listen to that or follow sure. that endorsement. A lot of people do, though. They do, but others don't. Right. <laughs> and right. so, but the church, uh, we're, we don't endorse a particular candidate. Uh, that would be crossing the line of engaging in partisan politics, and that's just not something that we, as a church, are able to do. But also, I think it's important to remember, John, that when you think about it, there's really no one candidate that fully embraces. Uh, the church's teachings or positions on particular issues. There's no perfect candidate, I would say. While they may be in alignment with the church's teaching on some things, uh, there might be other issues that the church wants to promote that they're not in agreement with. And so, again, each voter in their own conscience has to decide what issues are most important to them. You know, whether that be, for example, the right to life, you know, abortion, immigration, capital punishment, care for the poor and for the needy, that social program and social systems. So each one has to decide which of those are important and maybe what order of importance they're in. And that should guide us when we go to cast our vote. I know that for many Catholics, abortion is, is the number one at the very top. And then there's a an order, you know, social justice issues are involved with that, caring for the poor, as you said. I would just maybe remind our listeners that at the November meeting of the bishops in Baltimore this past November, uh, the bishops voted, the body of bishops voted to say in their introductory letter to the document uh, forming consciences for faithful citizenship that 
abortion or the right to life remains the preeminent issue for us. And the reason for that is that it's so fundamental. If we don't have a right to life, then what do we have a right to? If we don't receive the gift of life from God, all the other rights that we have go away. So we we have to protect that right that God gives through the gift of life. And so I, I just share for myself, I mean, in terms of issues, I strongly agree with what the bishop said about that being the preeminent issue. And for me, it's at the top. It's at the, so if we look at a pyramid of issues, the issue regarding life, and particularly life at its most vulnerable stage in the womb, is at the top of that pyramid for me. Everything else flows from that. Because when you think about it, if we fail to protect life at its most innocent and vulnerable stage when it's in the womb, what guarantee is there that that life will be respected or protected at any stage, whether it be somebody who suffers from a handicap or an elderly person with a terminal illness, uh, or the immigrant, if we don't protect the most vulnerable among us in the womb, there's no guarantee anyone will be protected. A personal question. Did you get to watch any of the conventions from either party? I did not, John, and I don't know that I have a good reason for that other than uh, maybe the timing wasn't the best this year. A lot of it was online. I tend to go to bed kind of early, John, so (laughs) so maybe it had to do with the time that the, the television broadcasts were on. But really, I think it was one of the first years that I can remember in a presidential election year that I I didn't at least watch some of the conventions. I watched the news coverage about them. So I I caught some of the headlines and some of the important moments, but didn't actually actively watch or engage in them this year. Well, there there were some Catholics that were involved in both Groups you and usually it involved around prayer, opening prayers. There was a sister, I think, and there was a, I think a a, a priest or a bishop in at uh, the Democratic one. And then I know there was uh, the Cardinal Dolan, Cardinal Dolan, yeah, from New York, Republican, yeah. uh, on the Republican side. If you were asked, would you have any qualms about leading a prayer? You know, praying for our politicians and for our political system is something we do already. Uh, Many parishes uh, during the prayers of the faithful or the intercessions will pray for our president or civic leaders, for world leaders, that they have the wisdom to guide us in their their leadership. So I, I would consider it, though I would be careful just to make sure it was spiritual and that it was prayer centered. And that in any way could not be considered as a, a political endorsement of someone. Well, and that's where I was going. Does that, because you're you're saying yes to a particular party, does that give a tacit endorsement for one or the other? It could be perceived that way, although maybe I wasn't invited by the other <laughs> party right. to give a prayer or, or a benediction. So, I, John, it's something I would I would prayerfully consider myself before saying yes, just because I know it would be perceived in different ways and, and perhaps misconstrued by my presence there. You know, I remember a couple of years back, we talked on this show about some priests that were at a rally, a political rally, that were they were in their collar and they were up front and they were caught on camera and their hand got slapped a little bit because it gave this sort of endorsement of what they were doing. Now we had a, a situation in, I think, Boston where a priest came out and posted something on Facebook of who he was going to endorse, and that caused some feelings up, up there and some correction, I think. Yeah, and even uh, another example just recently was at the Bishop's Conference at the U.S. Conference of 
Catholic bishops, uh, one of the staff members in Washington, uh, made some public was interviewed and made some public comments, which were quoted in a in a publication. Um, I think it was regarding the selection of Kamala Harris as the vice presidential candidate on the Democratic side, and that was not appropriate to do that. And then that situation was addressed with her. Okay. But yeah, the priests that were there a few years ago, uh, it was their day off. Uh, they were dressed as priests because that's sure. who they are. But they attended a, a rally, and and I think the. I think they heard from their bishop john sure. <laughs> after that but uh, we have to be aware as as priests and as religious as bishops that we do represent the church and that we always represent the church and so we have to be very careful with the things that we say or that we post on social media because we do have to to remain nonpartisan as the church does now a priest is never off they're always a priest they're but let's say a, a lay employee, maybe somebody, as you said, working for the Conference of Bishops, maybe someone working for the Diocese of St. Petersburg. There are rules governing, when we're at work here, the use of social media. But what about we're at home? I, I mean, if, if I were to make a statement about endorsing someone, I'm, I'm a quasi-public figure. I mean, I'm on Spirit FM. That's where I, and I'm paid as a 501c3. Am I allowed to say anything one way or the other? I would say no, because you, again, you're, you're employed, okay, you're not 24-7. <laughs> well, I am on, I am on, on uh, one of those salaried employees, so right. kind of. But we really should avoid that, because again, somebody like yourself, who you said is a public figure, you know, you're well known in the area, within the diocese, certainly on the radio, anything that you do or say, positive or negative, could be taken the wrong way. And so we just caution all of our employees to remember that they are employed by the church, that they represent the church, and that um, they should just be very careful with what they publicly post on social media. So let that be a warning to everyone. When in doubt, leave it out. That's always been my motto, because, uh, you know, if you, you keep it in there, it could cause some trouble. Well, just in general with social media, just always think about what you're you're posting before you do it and try to avoid, I would say, post late at night because we could <laughs> could be tired or uh, just, you know, worn out or frustrated at the end of a long day. And sometimes we'll post things that we normally would not during uh, during other parts of the day. I think one important thing that we do have to recognize going back to a, a topic we were talking about a few minutes ago regarding uh, publications, like I mentioned and I qualified it by diocesan-owned newspapers. What about news organizations, I'll say like EWTN, or a Catholic publication, but they're not they're not part of a diocese? Mm-hmm. They have a little more leeway. They do if they're a for-profit uh, corporation. Uh, again, if you're a nonprofit, a 501c3, and are exempt from, from paying taxes because of that, you would have to follow the same guidelines that we do as a church. So any publication that would consider itself more of a ministry, a nonprofit, accepting donations to help pay for their publications, uh, they would have to follow the same rules and guidelines published by the IRS that we do as well. And there are publications out there that can lead to some confusion. They call themselves Catholic when, in fact, they're not associated with the diocese or the National or Church of Rome in general. How true that is. In fact, personally, I I received something in the mail the other day that was from an organization called the Catholic Vote. I had been familiar with this organization because somebody brought it to my attention as bishop of the diocese 
thinking that it was sponsored by or being sent by the Diocese of St. Petersburg or by the Catholic Church. Of course, it was not. It has no affiliation with the church and is not part of the diocese or the, or the, the Catholic Church. It's a separate organization that's trying to promote specific viewpoints or issues and candidates in accord with what they believe, but it's not an official organization with the church. So if you get one of these publications or you're not sure, probably best to contact your local parish and uh, pastor to find out, is this legit? And if not, at least it's on their radar so that they can warn their parishioners about what is out there and what's what should really be discerned on. Bishop, we only have a couple of minutes left, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but the, we are celebrating two years of courageously living the gospel. And you just put a video out, very well done. But for our listeners who may not have seen it, two years in, are you where you thought we would be? <laughs> in some respects, yes, and in other ways, no. I, I would say we've made great progress in some areas, things like affordable housing. That was one of our main goals or big goals was to establish eight to 10 new locations of affordable housing throughout all of our diocese. And we've already established several, and there are, I think, four or five that are, are well along the process of being established. So that's great news. We did hire uh, an associate a director of youth ministry for the northern counties of our diocese. Each of our deaneries or groupings of parishes have worked together to come up with solving a need uh, in their local community, and each one has done that. Most of the goals had a three-year cycle, three-year time frame to try to at least set a goal to get these done and accomplish it. There were measurable goals. COVID threw a wrench into the whole thing. Does this change the time dynamic for some of these? It, it does. So, for example, one of the goals that we set was to establish a new Catholic school, an elementary school in our diocese and an area in which it's needed because of the planning involved with that and fundraising and everything that would go into a project of that size. That one has been put on hold for a little bit. We're still committed to, to doing that, but it may not be within the three-year period. Of course, we don't know what the future holds, but we are still committed to that. We're talking about a lot of brick and mortar things. We've discussed a little bit about the affordable housing. One of the good things that did come out of this was the short-term Hillsborough Hope and the, and the opportunity that that brought forth for those citizens who you know, just didn't have a place to stay. Yeah, so one of the unexpected things we were able to accomplish was the establishment, as you said, of Hillsborough Hope, a community in Hillsborough County that we were, where we were able to house about 100 homeless persons give them a, a safe and a clean place to live, and to be able to provide meals to them as well. And that's something we hope to establish on a permanent basis in Hillsborough County, and we continue to engage with local officials on doing that. On the top of, off the top of my head here, just thinking about some of the other goals were family ministry outreaches, youth ministry. I know you hired a, a youth uh, ministry coordinator for the northern part of the diocese, and I would assume that once the uh, restrictions settle down, we may see some other hires for other regional coordinators. Yeah, that that was another one that we had to put on hold temporarily because of you know concerns about finances of the diocese. We're actually making cuts to our budget, not increasing it. So we had to put that hiring on hold. But we have a number of good candidates who applied before COVID, and we hope to reconnect with them after it's 
uh, quieted down to look to hire them for the other two positions that we said we were going to establish to assist youth ministry in our parishes. Sure. Well, as we close up our, our time today, would you lead us in a prayer that will help continue to bring healing and hope to all of those who are continuing to struggle through this pandemic and for a continued growth in vocations. Of course. So let us pray. God, our Father, you are the source of all hope in our lives. And at this time when so many continue to struggle with the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, we ask that you continue to give us hope, to give us peace in our lives, to free us from worry and anxiety and to provide healing. We pray for all of our students who are back to school, and in a particular way at this time, we pray for our seminarians and those that are just beginning their formation. May you bless and guide them, that they may continue to discern your will for their lives, and that they may have the courage to do it. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more with Bishop Parks, including past programs, his social media accounts, and ways to subscribe to this podcast, visit dosp.org bishop. A View from the Top is a production of Spirit FM 90.5 and the Communications Office of the Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is made possible by the annual Pastoral Appeal and listeners like you. Thank you for your support.